Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast in what is another preview special where we uh, go to speak to the Sunderland managers and we do this little thing before it where we talk amongst ourselves about that particular era, about that particular manager. We've done it once, we've done, like it, we've done it loads of times. Pipe, they're in the pipeline, Gareth, you know this? Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> heavily, are. Heavily pipelined. Heavy, we're heavy pipelined at the moment. So we looked at Dennis Smith first. It was going to be like Sunderland managers in the 90s particularly, but then we thought, well, Dennis Smith obviously... Uh, was in charge as the 90s come in as a decade yeah. so we started with him which was logical anyway because he was a manager when I was a uh, when I started sporting Sunderland and it's all about me obviously so he was the first one Malcolm Crosby was the next manager and we're going to talk tonight uh, myself Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker and uh, podcast extraordinaire Andy Dawson is back with us hello again. there thanks hello. for having us podcasting to your heart's content today well, as well. I, I, too much, yeah, I think it? you've got us in because I'm basically um, the oldest person you know that knows what a podcast <laughs> is. But I'm happy to be here. That fine, that's not a bad Absolutely summary. That me. works for us. <laughs> um, and we're going to just talk about uh, our memories as well. Again, another reason you're a bit old, Andy, so you're in the uh, alcohol stage. Yeah, you just get me into like, list names of pubs that people, <laughs> well, all the listeners yeah. might remember. You did go, mention... oh, I forgot about that one. So we discussed Dennis Smith and... It was a very interesting time to be a Sunderland fan because he came when the club was on its arse. Um, in the third division, he got us promoted. A couple of seasons later, he got us promoted via the playoffs, beating Newcastle, of course, up to the old Division 1, which is the Premier League now, top division. And then he got relegated, sold Marco Gabbiadini to uh, try and um, rebuild the team. Uh, he bought in John Byrne, Don Goodman, Anton Rogan. Uh, and then he didn't last much longer after that. Dennis, because we were beaten 3-0 by Oxford a couple of days before New Year's Day uh, in 19... What would have been New Year's Day in 1992? And he was sacked. Did you know much about Malcolm Crosby at this time? I had very little knowledge of Malcolm Crosby, to be honest, because it, it, it had been Dennis Smith and Viv Busby all the way before then. Mm. You know, they were the, the dream team. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, the split had happened, Viv had, had moved on, and I, I think in the in the Dennis podcast, he said that he wanted to just shake things up on the training ground and behind the scenes. So Martin Crosby kind of came to the forefront um, and it was just good timing really for Malcolm because he was the one that turned to as a caretaker manager when Dennis did get the sack. Mm. To be fair, I did think it was quite harsh on Smith to be, you know, to be given that money to spend to try and rebuild the team because the, the, the form had been quite hit and miss during that season after we'd been relegated. You know, I thought we might have challenged for promotion a bit, especially with mm. Gabby Dini in the team. 
uh, it, it didn't happen and then it kind of rebooted a little bit and overhauled it with Goodman and Byrne. Um, I think it was a shame that he didn't really get a fair crack of the whip. Did the fans turn on him, Andy? Well, I, Smith. I, I, I was going to games, but I, I wouldn't be able to remember I, that. I, if I that was don't remember it being like Smith out all that much. I think there was a little bit of bewilderment when he did get the sack. I think the general feeling was that he, he deserved a bit longer. But, um, you know, it's a results business and all that kind of thing. And Bob Murray wielded the axe and, and Martin Crosby got the job just as the just as the cup run began, mm-hmm. really, with the third round against um, Port Vale. Because, mm-hmm. like we say, like my memory is very much he was a youth team manager. Nobody really knew about the youth team managers mm-hmm. much. And then suddenly he was, uh, you know, very small period of being number two. And then he was in the manager's job, wasn't he? And I don't think anybody would have thought at that time he would get the job on a permanent basis no. or last longer than the, the first few games. People who were linked with the job at the time, Joe Jordan mm-hmm. was one of the favourites. Neil Warnock, yeah. who, um, of course, as even our younger listeners know who Neil Warnock is, managing yeah. in the Premier League today, he'd done a similar job to Dennis Smith and he took Notts County from um, the third tier to the yeah. top tier. I mean, I, re- I read that there was a, some kind of agreement that when Sunderland did go out with a cup, that Warnock would mm. then come in and the Crosby was being given a crack of the whip mm. while the cup run happened. But obviously we got all the way at the final, so <laughs> that, you know, Mary's hands were tied a little bit with that. Yeah, Phil Neal was the other name. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Gareth's pulling a face. What's, what's your uh, memory or what, what do you associate with Phil Neal? Because I know what you're going to say, so yeah, I want to listeners yeah. to hear it, yeah. Yeah, um, what do you call it, the documentary with Graham Taylor? Do mm. I not like that? Or yeah. The Impossible Job, it was called the documentary. It was, yeah. Um, and yeah, he was made, apparently he wasn't anything like that, apparently he was quite good, but obviously in that documentary he was he made a the cameras idiot, and then uh, obviously he was taken off quite brilliantly by Bradley Walsh in the uh, Mike Bassett film. Hmm. Um, well, basically, just repeating everything the manager everything. said. I mean, Menemy was on that bench as well. Let's not forget <laughs> who had been obviously <laughs> Sunderland uh, yeah. before Dennis Smith. So, um, and then he didn't have another job after that, did he? He, so just, he ended up being involved with England a few years later. It's funny but, now, managers uh, just drop off that, the face of a cliff, isn't it? I remember that um, my dad wanted Neil Warnock to have a job. I remember that quite clearly. Um, the interesting, big, with interesting story about Neil Warnock in the podcast. So look out for that one. From Malcolm. Um, from Malcolm, right. yes. Um, the game that really kick-started things, I mean, he won his first four games, mm-hmm. which helps, because yeah. the fans were on his side straight away then. Because yeah. as you said, we'd been relegated. Uh, we saw in the in in last season for Sunderland in the 2016-17 no, season, didn't we, where a side got relegated and you thought they would do better than they did. Yeah. So then suddenly he got them performing and got them playing well. Um we won 3-0 in the FA Cup third round, which was his second game, I think. And um, that game stands out to me for a couple of reasons. One, because I, kn- I knew that he brought Brian Atkinson in from the youth team when most Sunderland fans hadn't seen him involved. Yeah. And he scored in that game and played really well. But mainly because I missed the game because I'd been bought a, a ticket for the pantomime at Sunderland <laughs> in the December, which... This is one of the things, do you know, like how you, you think you remember something one way and then when you actually do your research and check it out, it's not what you thought. Because I would have always told people, yeah, I missed that game and I went to the pantomime to watch um, Shadow from the Gladiators <laughs> in Aladdin. But actually, yeah, I looked and it wasn't. It was Snow White and Mark Little from Neighbours, who, who was Joe Mangle. I'll tell you exactly where I was during the 1992 FA Cup final. Right. Jumping the gun a little bit, but okay. Dickens play area. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm sure yeah. you said that about the 1990. No, no, I was in Dickens Play. It was his cool final tradition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I was very nervous, kid, you know. I, could, I had to go and distract myself with the slides and balls, and that was quite mm. good. God. It's interesting because I, I was 11, and I can remember most things about watching Sunderland at that time. And I don't know if it's because we got the final, where I can remember the little details, but honestly, I can remember the cup draw for the third round, watching it in my brother's bedroom really? after match of the day, and us getting Port Vale. I don't know why that sticks in my yeah. mind, but I can. I remember being gutted that I missed it, but it was like a kind of an arrangement where my auntie's work got all these tickets, and it was, my mum was like, you will go. And I remember being good because I missed it, and we won 3-0. Um, and that was where it all started for, for Malcolm. It's not the mm. FA Cup. It's, it's hard to think of him without thinking of the FA Cup. Yeah, that that's his whole story is you know, framed by that. Um, but it, it, it felt like getting to Wembley was almost inevitable, weirdly. Even though we were just the second division team, we weren't doing that well. When you get to the fifth round and we had the away tie at West Ham, and I remember we were thinking, well, it's we knew we had Chelsea next if we won that one, right? But we knew we had Chelsea away, and I think the thinking was, well, if we can get them back to Rock Park, we can beat them. Mm. And it, it kind of just it was almost written in the stars, and the way that it played out didn't really come as a surprise, but the, the momentum was incredible, and mm. the and the sort of um. The emotion among the fans and everything, yeah. just like one of them snowball things, you know. What I yeah, mean? well, I mean, he won his first, he won five out of his first six games as manager. Mm. Which, I mean, if you if you think about it, manager coming in and having that impact, I can't remember. You know, maybe when Roy Keane got his Sprays, yeah. feet under the table, yeah. So, I mean, there's, pro- there's parallels, a little there's few Sprays, parallels there with Sprays, mm. I guess, in you know, in our time, yeah. You know, taking on that job, and I don't think the power of an FA Cup would save a manager now like they did then. So you know, if we get a caretaker mm. manager now, and Sunderland went on a cup run and they got mm-hmm. the quarterfinals, I don't think an owner would think twice about replacing that caretaker manager with who yeah. he wanted. The FA Cup meant it was a lot different then, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it meant so yeah. much more. Well, I was, well, I don't know because if it was a, still a second division team that was on that run, then perhaps mm. they would bear with him and, and give him the, the benefit of the doubt and let him go with it. But. Um, yeah, it was. There was never any um, any doubt about replacing them with anybody. It was kind of this was again. I say destined, but it was all tied in together. That, that Malcolm, you know, local fella, took the job. Uh, unlikely manager, and he he wasn't uh, highly polished in front of the media and all this kind of thing. Mm. He came across as one of us, sort of thing. Mm. You know, he was a bit awkward, a bit uncomfortable in front of the cameras. I think um, it helped. He was from the area. From South Shields, Sunderland fan. Yeah, I oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I was buys you a bit extra time and a bit of, um, you know, a bit of goodwill from the fans when 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 that's the case. Um, Even if Phil Brown was to get the job, <laughs> hypotheticals there. I mean, <laughs> let's let's hope that we're never in a situation going forward where Phil Brown is the Sunderland manager. But he was touted, wasn't he, a year ago, and we got crazy. <sighs> yeah, that was a long time ago. A year ago, yeah, yeah, <laughs> a lot of things have changed since yeah. then. Um, just looking at my notes here Sophie from Home and Away was the other person who was in the Empire that year oh so don't know, don't I can't know remember that was that Rebecca, Rebecca Emma Lugaloo it was a sort of Greek or mm, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember I was 19 that year oh there you go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> see very different memories uh, you mentioned the West Ham game there before that we went and just for, for our younger um, <laughs> listeners who might not be aware of the 92 Cup final run um, we we beat Port Vale quite convincingly 3-0 at Roker Park. Then we went to Oxford just a couple of weeks after they turned us over 3-0 where Dennis Smith lost his job and we won 3-2. We were winning 3-0 and they pulled a couple back um, late on, which was never 
nice place to go that was at the Manor Ground Oxford Raw was one of those teams they were kind of like Wimbledon of that division weren't yeah. they yeah the old Wimbledon where you just it was a tough place to go down yeah. and it was a night game that one because the weekend one was postponed by the time West Ham come round five we draw 1-1 at home John Byrne scores obviously um, was John Byrne ever close to you in, as a possibility of being a replacement for Gabby Deeney because this was somebody who was so popular amongst uh, the Sunderland fans, Gabby Deeney, wasn't he? He, he was, and um, I don't, I don't know if he could ever really replace Gabby Deeney because of the type of player that he was. Um, but you've got to remember as well that Don Goodman came into the into the club, but was cup tied, so that there was always that sort of um, disjointed thing. There wasn't any coherence in the team selection. You know, a cup match would come along, Goodman couldn't play because he played in an earlier round. So John Byrne, the focus was always on him to. To get the goals, and luckily he did. I mean, he was um, he was a fantastic player for us at the time. Um, I don't remember him scoring that regularly in the league, mm. but then the league form still continued to be pretty poor as the season went on. It wasn't as if the entire club got swept up in this cup run, and the league form picked up as well, and everything was brilliant because by the time you get to the end of the season, it was you know it was fairly hairy, and we had we had a run of defeats, and we just kind of saved ourselves towards the end of the season. But it was almost like we had two separate seasons going on. You had that team that had Goodman in and then the team where Goodman mm. wasn't playing, which was the cup team. And that was the team that was, that was you know, doing the business. Mm. West Ham away, was, um, we won 3-2. Mm. We went 2-0 up. West Ham pulled it back to 2-2. Yeah, um, And then David Rush scored That's right, yeah. quite later on. What I remember David Rush's celebration was, he used to do this weird celebration after he scored where he would... I don't, honestly, I don't even know how to describe it. Just maybe go on YouTube and have a look at Dave Rush's conversation. Where this thing where he was quite casual, trying to like almost like pause in the crowd. And he, start, <laughs> he started to do that. And then I think the enormity of the goal he just scored <laughs> kicked in. Yeah. And then he ran off sort of celebrating like just a nutter after that. <laughs> yeah, but there were quite a few young lads in the team then. When Rush was about, Brady was around. Yeah. Brian Atkinson and was the Atkinson had come in as well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He was the big one, Atkinson, wasn't he? So you said we, you knew we had Chelsea in the next round. Obviously, I, I wouldn't have remembered that in detail. What I can remember is the Chelsea game was on Sky, both of them, mm-hmm. both games. And this was when Sky was, you know, it was, it was a novelty to be on Sky. It was in then. its infancy, wasn't yeah, it? Sky, yeah, then, yeah. Oh, we're on Sky, let's yeah. all go around the uncle's house who could afford Sky. <laughs> exactly, like, he's yeah. the one in the family who's got Sky and none of the rest of us did. I used to get my uncle, my uncle on Sky. And, it's uh, always somebody's uncle who's got Sky. He uh, used to tape... The Simpsons for us <laughs> on Sky One. And he'd tape uh, the wrestling, and so I'd have to go around and get the tape, and then like watch the Simpsons and the wrestling. <laughs> and that was yeah, that that was my my uncle had Sky as well. Mm. Never went round to watch it. Like, you know, I remember going round. It was one of those where like in school tomorrow, your mum's not happy about it, but your dad's like fighting your corner, and that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Oh, it'll be all right. We'll go around. And John Byrne equalised quite late on the Stamford Bridge. We were winning. We were losing one nil. Yeah, uh, Ian Porterfield. That's was manager right. of Chelsea at the mm-hmm. time, of course, scored the winning goal for Sunderland in the 73 Cup final. Yep. So a nice little bit of a, a link there mm-hmm. for that. Um, in terms of the replay, where does that stand for you in, uh, as favourite all-time games? Oh, it was or? one of them totally magical nights, but unfortunately I wasn't actually there. Oh, were you <laughs> I, was in, I was in the Ivy House watching it on Sky. <laughs> because so These are the stories we want to hear more yeah, of, aren't they? The well, Ivy House stories and stuff. It was... I mean, I think I said in the last episode at the time I was working in our price the record shop 
So I worked most Saturdays, so I didn't get as many of the games as I would like to because you, you, it's quite mm. hard to get a Saturday off when you're at the shop, busiest day of the week and all that. Um, so when I did go, I'd usually go by myself because my mates at the time weren't that bothered about the football. Um, so I was kind of outvoted a bit with the Chelsea one. It was kind of like, well, I could go on my own or we could go to the pub and it'll be bouncing and, you know, we'll have a few beers and everything. So I opted for that. And when Armstrong scored the winning goal, the, the, the roof just came off the pub. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Glorious times. Why were you working on Saturday? Were you studying or did you just... No, it was, well, it was, I was working full time in the shop, so you had to work oh, Saturdays because okay. it was the busiest day and you'd have, you'd have a day off during the week and getting a Saturday off was the holy grail. Mm. I remember you telling a story about Gary Bennett coming in our price when you were on TalkSport once. Yeah. If you want to yeah. relay that story. Yeah, Gary, Gary Bennett came in. It was uh, it was the morning after Sunderland had drawn 1-1 home against Grimsby, a midweek game. Uh, and oh, it had been... <laughs> Days. Oh, it had been a, a dire performance. This will have been about 93, 94, I think. Did Richard Ord score like a last minute equaliser? Oh, yeah, well, I can't even allowed. remember. It was, it, was, it was so mind numbing, I can't remember. It might have been. Let's say yes. <laughs> so Gary came in. He came in occasionally into the shop and he came in and I just kind of said, uh, he hadn't actually been playing the night before. He'd been injured, I think. Um, and I just said, uh, Were you at the match last night, Gary? He says, Oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah, I says, uh, Left a lot to be desired, didn't it? And he went, uh, we do our best! <laughs> and I thought, oh, God. That sounds like something exactly like Ben Oates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, he's going to come for us. going to leap over the counter and <laughs> strangle us or something. What kind of music did he used to buy? He was into his soul, I think, Gary. Yeah. His daughter's a very famous music producer now. Mm. Is she? Yes. She does Jess Glynn songs. Really? Award-winning. Wow, um, really yeah, cool. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah, I think she was in that latest video as well. Fantastic. Mm. So there you go. I don't know why. Yeah, you know, what, yeah. what people want to do with that information? Maybe he was inspired by you, Andy. Maybe he Maybe. saw you in our price and thought, "Yes, that's the job for so my daughter." Gary Bennett links now. Yeah, his granddaughters in my daughter's class as well at school. Right. I see him in the schoolyard quite wow. regularly. So there you go. Who cares? Have you, got, my, a, have you um, got a Gary Bennett link? No, not Gary, really. No. Apart from being pictured talking to him when you were at a Bournemouth game once. I just taught him loads of times. Yeah, no, but it was on it was on the telly, wasn't it? Yeah, well, oh yeah, it was on the telly. Yeah, yeah, on the my, my son, telly. My son's at the same school as Max Power's son at the minute, and um, the kids have all been taught to leave Max Power's son alone because they're always hassling him, <laughs> asking him what it's like to be Max Power's yeah. son. <laughs> pretty pretty cool. I mean, isn't he called Probably Max is, as well? Is he Max I Junior? I think he's I'm called sure. Max as well. Would, it would make sense. Max Power Junior is a great name, isn't it? Isn't yeah. Max Power's dad called Max as well, or is that something I've imagined? I, I don't know. So. I don't know. I don't know because he said he, his dad wound him up that he was named after the Simpsons character. Right. Because so, so it would be good sure. if his dad was as well because then the, the, the kid will be Max Powell the third. Yeah. And that's, that's right. a name. That is a name. <laughs> it absolutely is a name. Um, where were we in the cup run? Gordon Armstrong's. Gordon Armstrong's. Edit, so. so he didn't, didn't someone come in at our price? Was it, was it Dennis who went in our price? It was Malcolm Crosby. Malcolm, yeah, it was. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. That was before yeah. the semi-final. All ah, right, there you go. Okay, save I've it. gone too early. Yeah, yeah, too early. Like, tell us you were in Dickens for the final. <laughs> um, but that, you know, I mean, I was at that game, and I can remember that goal. Uh, although, again, I always... I'm surprised how close it is when I watch it back on the replay because in my mind it was from the halfway line <laughs> um, that Gordon Armstrong header. But that's a really iconic goal as far yeah, as Walker Park definitely. Goes. I mean, he leapt like a salmon, didn't he? Mm. The greatest thing Gordon Armstrong ever did for us, that I think. Did you go to the um, semi-final then? I didn't get to the semi-final either. No. Um, that, was that a Sunday, the semi-final? Yes. Yeah, I don't yes, know. it was. Again, it probably would have just been... Because Portsmouth and Liverpool played the day before. Yeah. 
Um, I can't imagine it wouldn't have been that hard to get... Well, it might have been hard to get tickets for, I'm not sure. It was one of the times what you had to... Um, somebody in the family, probably an uncle, the one who yeah. had Sky, would go and have to camp out at Rugger Park. Yeah. And I can remember that. It was my uncle, actually. I think it was the same one as well. <laughs> Did he and have one of those like little tellies? Well, I don't know maybe, about maybe that. I can't flash. remember. But you would, I remember they would do shifts. Mm-hmm. So they were there like 24 hours before the ticket office opened. The yeah. One person would set the tent up. And then another one would go and take over. Yeah. Uh, and then they would do that. And there'll be four of them through the course of it. And then obviously they'd get in the queue for the ticket office. Yeah. And then they'll come away with the tickets. And that's what you did. But you didn't need vouchers or anything for the semi final. It was right. just a literally free case for all. Of free I, well, for I had all, nobody yeah. within the family that would have been prepared to do that for us. <laughs> and obviously, logistically, I was selling records to Gary Bennett. So um, <laughs> that, that was a non starter. But um, yeah, again, John Byrne again. You know, every round scored in the semi-final as well. But yeah, Martin Crosby came in. Uh, I was working in the Metro Centre at price. And Martin Crosby came in a few days before the semi-final, uh, and he bought he bought a video. And I'd served him and asked him, you know, wished him luck for the semi-final and everything. And he said that the video was to watch on the team bus on the way to Hillsborough for the semi-final. And I, I've been racking my brains as to what it was, and I think it might have been Terminator 2. Right. I should have retained this information, really, because it was quite a memorable we should have asked him moment, you know. Yeah, I think Kevin Ball Kevin Ball tells a story that they watched Naked Gun, I think, at some All right. point. Might not have been the bus on the way down. We'll ask him a bit, because we'll speak to him soon. Um, it's a great story. I don't story. remember. Because, because, because he, he, uh, he tells a story that... Um, they thought all the Ormans were with us and they watched Naked Gun and then when they got to London they saw um, what was the guy called? Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. No, I think right. it's a Liam Neeson there. They saw Leslie Nielsen. Wasn't O.J. Simpson in Naked Gun? He was, He was, yeah. yeah. Before the whole murder. The murder. The whole gun thing that he did. Or How didn't do, you... do, sorry. Didn't do. Do you listen to O.J.? He's not going to sell you, don't worry. He's in prison, he's in prison <laughs> isn't he? Bigger fish to fry. No, he's in prison, isn't he? He's out now, I think. Is he? Yeah. He'll be back in by now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, how do you remember the nostalgia around that, Andy? Because a lot of people, I, I hear a lot of people say I wasn't the same as 73, that cup final run. I mean, I know we lost in the final, but it didn't feel the same and stuff. Now, I was 11-year-old, so I was crazy for it. Mm-hmm. And my memories are that the term was red and white. Yeah. The whole cup run, yeah, yeah, and everybody yeah. got bang into it. Is yeah, totally. I that's how I remember it as well. Um, maybe people's memories are a bit tainted because of the fact we didn't win it. And, you know, the final was a bit of a damp squib. Um, there's not, there's none of that associated glory with, with 73. 
Um, but yeah, I remember all the shops just had red and white stuff in all the windows and all that kind of thing. And um, I watched the final in Livingston's pub, which is now the ISIS. Yeah, they unfortunately We've done named live ISIS pod- pub. We've done live podcasts in there, right? And it was it was it was not as genteel then as it is now. Yeah, Livy's the old Livy's. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I watched it in there because one of my mates used to work in there, so we, we drank in there quite regularly. But that was all festooned with, you know, all red and white and everything, and the place was just ram-packed. Was this for the final? For the final, yeah, yeah. What about the semi-final? The semi-final, I think I watched that in the house. Would have been an early Sunday, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was... I'm not totally sure about that. I remember... For being, you know, great family memory for me driving home from Sheffield that day Mm -hmm. in the car with, actually, it was... um, it's a lot of works with Frankie Francis, actually, the amazing radio. And I was in the car with him and my uncle, one of my uncles. And um, I just remember his dad and my uncle just sort of singing to any song, every song that came on the radio the whole way home. Yeah. And everybody was just so happy. That, you know, we, we'd got to the cup final because it just seemed unbelievable at the time. But it, it to me, it, it felt like there was never any doubt we were going to win that mm. that semi-final. It, it, like I said, it, it felt as if the, the whole thing had snowballed. There was an inevitability about it tied in with the fact we had Malton Crosby as the manager and it just mm. Norwich I, I didn't think that we were going to lose that one a decent team Norwich then yeah they were yeah yeah absolutely but I think I think the thinking was well we've beat West Ham we've beat Chelsea so there's nothing to fear from Norwich yeah they'd been in the Europe, European Cup and all that hadn't they the yeah well the season before the season the after that they nearly won the league was when was it really it? kicked on, yeah. So it might be a couple of years. The Bayern Munich. I think that was a couple of years after because yeah, it, it was a result of that was the start of that Norwich team. Mike Walker put together it was quite a good young team and Chris mm. Sutton and everybody and Rule Fox. I couldn't get a ticket for the final, which I was fuming about mm. because we'd had a season ticket the year before. That remains the only season I didn't have a season Ooh. ticket. Because as a result of not getting a ticket for the final, my dad didn't want to make the same mistake again. So we had season tickets. Forevermore. Forevermore. <laughs> and now I've continued that into adult life. Um, I don't know if you can remember, but the system, what the had was, obviously season ticket holders got one. Yeah. Um, now those were in the days where, like, I don't know how many season tickets were had, but nothing like the amount you get now. Yeah. It was yeah. only select few who seemed to have the season tickets. Um, well, I'm looking at the attendances for the, the cup matches, and West Ham at home was twenty five thousand, mm-hmm. Chelsea at home was twenty six thousand. So, you know, season tickets that have been eighteen probably at the most. I don't even think it would have been that high. Mm. Um, Around that time, sort of league attendance, you'd been like about fourteen. Although we only got fifteen thousand in yeah, for the third exactly, round against yeah. Port Vale, so yeah. perhaps not. I, mean, I reckon a season tickets might be like more 000. like eight thousand. When yeah. did the gold card come in? Do you remember the gold? The gold card? card was there from since I can remember. You were a member. So you were a season ticket, um, or the next thing was to be a member. And what that did was you were only allowed in certain ends. So like the main stand paddock, which is where all the chanters used to go. Right. Um, you had to have a gold card to get in there. You did initially have to have one again, the full end as well, but they relaxed on that, I think. Um, the system to get a final for the... for the, um, the To get a ticket final. for the final, what we played... Because we were in this cup run, we had a massive backlog of fixtures. Mm-hmm. And I remember we played... Ipswich on a Tuesday night and we played Plymouth at home on a Thursday night mm. and they said you need to attend both of those games and this, when yeah. you go in go in the same stand because depending on where in the stand what turnstile you go in you will get a different colour voucher right. and you need those two vouchers and then the colours of the vouchers will get drawn out <laughs> and um, 
Sunderland beat Ipswich three 0 I remember. This is like me. I haven't even. I'm, I'm not confident in this. I'm not even. I haven't even researched. It, I just remember it. We stuffed <laughs> Ipswich three 0 It was um, Paul and were in, um, and then we lost at home to Plymouth, who were bottom of the league on the Thursday one 0 um, I'm looking. You're absolutely yeah, absolutely correct. I remember, I remember it. I remember it clearly. And Peter Shilton was a player manager for Plymouth, and he was getting lots of stick. <laughs> I think he had an affair with a girl called Tina or something. Yeah, or, that was a regular thing that went and, on for years. And, um, Shouting Tina and Peter Yeah, Schlitten. so they were doing that, but the biggest one, nil. And I remember I got a purple voucher, and then obviously, because I've, I've told you, it didn't get drawn out. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a conspiracy theory at the time. Because I went, <laughs> uh, <laughs> of course there is. Um, Imagine if there'd been social media. Football during. fans oh, having yeah. a conspiracy theory. Well, I went in the full end. Um, and I believe most of the people in the full end, the vouchers they give, they didn't get drawn out, and there was a theory that they didn't want people full from the full end. Full end type people yeah, going. Basically, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know how true that was, because I was only 11, yeah. but that was definitely something I remember my family saying and people saying. Yeah, that is a bit odd if they make you go on the same stand, because surely the likelihood is you're going to be, half the people are going to be eliminated straight away. If you get a different colour if you go on the same you stand. Know, this is my memory from being 11 year old. So there, there I remember are, some of them draw. sketchy, but I remember like, getting two purple vouchers and then the purple didn't come out. What Can you remember what colour was drawn? No. It wasn't, it wasn't bloody purple, I know that. <laughs> That's curious. I was fuming, absolutely fuming. <laughs> and the day of the cup final as well, that was when, do you know when they used to do the massive... Um, Sure, on the telly. On BBC, went, nine yeah. o'clock in the morning. Started nine o'clock. It was classic. Yeah. I mean, that, like you know, Malcolm touches on it in, on the show, and that's probably one of the reasons why he got, you know, had the job for so long. I mean, he was caretaker manager for well, how many months? Well, he only Three got he only got full like time like two weeks before the final. Yeah, I think so it was. In, you know, you prove know, yourself, mate. Go on, exactly. <laughs> get, get us the final. You can have the job. And it was like at the time, you know, obviously the. There's a lot of football on television now, and there's a lot of competitions, and you know it's all about things like the Champions League and, and the Premier League. But you know that the fact that it it was an event, wasn't it? The FA Cup final, and mm-hmm. you know, obviously, I wasn't. I the first FA Cup final I was really interested in. I think it was probably the maybe in the '94. I think did Liverpool play. Ninety-four, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea lost to United, United 4-0. 4-0, yeah. So that was the first one I really... Actually, no, the Sheffield Arsenal... That game for very Was Sheffield Arsenal 93? Yes. Yeah, so it was that one. So I remember the Sheffield Arsenal one because it went mm. to a replay, didn't That's it? That's right, it did, yeah. Um, but it was like, on the day, it was the thing. It was yeah. like, you got up in the yeah. morning, it was mm. like quarter nine, yeah. they'd be at Wembley, it'd be like Des Lyons at Wembley, and yeah, all yeah. day you had like that was it. a I programme. Mean, by then, 93, live football was, was a regular thing, but when I was younger, my first cup final, I remember, was 1979, Arsenal, Man United. Um, the only live matches you got in a season was the FA Cup final and the European Cup final. Didn't Alan Sunderland score in that final? Alan Sunderland scored there twice in the last Sunderland, few minutes. There yeah. you go. Uh-huh. My memory of that coverage of the telly of the cup thing on a Saturday morning I used to go to Grindon Boys Club um, and I remember that we were in the middle of a game of football in, in the in the five side hall and they just stopped dead because somebody opened the door and said we're on right. and it was our turn on the telly where I showed you our route to the final Right. so everybody just like vacated the hall <laughs> and ran out as fast as they could into like the common room and just crowded around this little <laughs> right. telly and watched us just yeah. the run from Port Vale to yeah. Oxford to West Ham to Chelsea 
the Norwich all the way to the final. So you know when you talk about watching the pub, I mean, did they have like a, a like you get screens now? This is going to sound like stupid. I wouldn't assume because I mean even in the vaults now it would have been like plasmas the telly they? above the door it wouldn't uh, have been a, pl- a plasma in 1992 that's what I'm saying it would have been a big exactly plasma. it would have yeah. been a big back a few big back tellies like kicking around the room surely I think that's probably what it was there might have been maybe just two or three tellies one either side of the bar reasonably sized tellies no you know massive screens or anything like that and that was that was what you did I'm trying to remember if the Ivy House had a big screen the Ivy House might have had a big screen above the fire at the back yeah, yeah, it did. I don't know if that was then or not. I was down the other end. I watched it on, you know, a standard-sized telly. I was down the end where the, the gents toilets, the pool table was. It's just, it's, it's just weird to think of it now when you go in any pub, there's like 10 tellies across the yeah. bar while you're waiting for the bar, you know? Yeah. And like, like, get a drink and there's big screens everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And you think about screens how... Screens and toilets in some pubs. Uh, how different... Times. I remember times watching the... Uh, Germany won England a five game in 2001. We were, we were having a weekend away in Blackpool um, for somebody's Classy. birthday. I was 20 year old, Gareth, it's fine. I bet he was singing German bombers all up and down the streets of Blackpool. So, um, when, Emil Heskey, when Emil Heskey scored the fifth, I was on the toilet <laughs> and that was quite an interesting scene if somebody just walked into what, the toilet what, what, there did you have an upside stomach no 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 no. standing up number one but there were screens in front on the urinals alright nice so you were standing there and everybody watched that fifth goal yeah. and then started jumping about and, and in the air so if you can imagine that image mid mid <laughs> yes mid, mid, mid way strange blokes I watched jumping about midway celebrating kicking an FA Cup final theme and a Blackpool theme I watched that West Ham Liverpool Cup final 2006 I think oh the Gerrard the Gerrard yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah I watched yeah. that in a Weatherspoons in Blackpool because I was going to say Radiohead that night Blackpool but that's another story and um, after the Cup final I played pool against a Liverpool fan who uh, took his false teeth out and put them on the side of the pool table because he said it made him play better he was only about mid-twenties, wasn't an old fella. And uh, he was so drunk that he had no recollection that his team had won the FA Cup an hour beforehand. <laughs> well, I was trying to talk to him about it and he was like, what are you talking about? I You've won the FA Cup, mate. Yeah. What? Eh? What? I've been in that still a few yeah. What, when we've won the FA Cup? No. I no. Remember that. Regular no, I nights. Been in that. I wish I was in that state. Some Friday. Yeah. Did you ever, was there ever a part of anybody you think who thought, they didn't want Crosby's manager, so we could do with going out the cup now because we're concerned at the league position. Or were people just so happy for him and getting swept away with what? Was um, I don't remember the league thing being that much of a, a feeling like a crisis. It's like a sideshow. The, 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 I mean, the form was bad, and I'm, I've been looking at the league positions throughout the, that season, and we're never we're twenty first for a couple of weeks in April, and then we were eighteenth and nineteenth, and we never dropped. 22nd or below just even though around, we had a bad we? bit of form yeah. towards the end it picked up and you know we, we got out of it but I think the cup run just overshadowed everything else and some people would have took an FA Cup win in a relegation I think quite some happily. people were surprised when he because he got given the manager's job on a full time basis again before the FA Cup final yeah where the obvious the presumption people had was that he doesn't want him as a full time manager but he's mm. not going to he's not going to you know, bring someone else in when he's got an FA Cup final and he's going to let the walk the lads out of Wembley mm-hmm. and then he's going to bring somebody else in. But then he appointed them mm-hmm. um, the penultimate league game of the season, I think. I think there was probably a, a clamour from the fans for him to be given the job full time because he took us 
all the way to Wembley and I think that the prevailing mood of the fans was well again with that thing about him being a local lad it was just you know you've got to give him the job full time but he was only given a one year contract I think he was just given till till the end of the 92-93 season so that wasn't a vote of confidence at all Mm. it was almost like saying you're probably going to fail but you'll get a you know you'll get a reasonable payoff yeah. middle of next season because this mm. is what's going to happen. That's what did happen, and I don't think anyone was surprised. He does comment on that, so let's right. help for that. Um, if I say to you, what do you? How do you associate Malcolm Crosby when it comes to transfers? What would jump at you? Can you think of anything? Terry Butcher. Terry Butcher's the one. So Terry he Butcher, obviously, I, I, well, who else did he buy? He bought Sean Cunnington as he, well, didn't he? I think John Calhoun. John Calhoun as well. Was a um, but yeah. Terry Butcher, I'm about to think, did I speak about Butcher in the Dennis Smith one? Or Possibly, yeah. I never took the Terry Butcher at all. Um, Butcher had this thing that he would do when we'd win a match where he would go to the each end of the ground and sort of raise his arms up and sort of get the crowd going and all this kind of thing. Um, and I just always thought, you're after his job. <laughs> We discuss all this as well, but it, no, it's, 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 does that come up in does, the interview? Yeah. Does it? Yeah, because Terry Butcher had been retired. For he'd, few, he'd, for he'd been player manager at Coventry, yeah. and he, he hadn't played. He got re-registered as a player. He had kind of two years of not playing. Uh, he lost his job at Coventry, and then he came back as a player. And my God, watching him trying to turn—it's like watching an oil tanker try to turn <laughs> around. Sometimes um, he was—it wasn't very mobile. He wasn't quick. He had. It upstairs, you know, he knew yeah. positioning wise, he knew where to be and all that kind of stuff. So that got him through. But yeah, he was always kind of rallying the crowd and everything. And I, I always remember thinking, you know, Crosby's not long for this job and you're putting yourself in the frame for it. Mm. My dad and, said similar stuff as well. Yeah. Mm. Um, he brought in John Colon, we said. Um, and John Burney sold. Uh, now he said John Burney wanted to leave. Right. But, you know, John Burney went. To Millwall, mm. where Calhoun came from, for less money than we paid for Calhoun. How do you remember John Calhoun? Very vaguely. <laughs> That's all I've got. For a reason, I think. <laughs> I don't think. I'm not sure he ever scored for us. Or he might have scored one, and that was it. I mean, I was racking my brains trying to think of who we did sign in that. What about the yeah. biggest? The biggest story now. In hindsight, and because of the way the story goes, Butcher was the the big signing because he signed his replacement essentially. Mm-hmm. But there was a huge. Bit of uh, transfer news that summer with an outgoing player. Can't remember. Who oh, it was. oh yeah, Bracewell went mm. to Newcastle, didn't he? Yeah. Was that was that over a contract renegotiation? Paul or Bracewell something like that? wanted a two-year contract. Yeah. And we wouldn't give him one, and then um, Newcastle bought him. And how many years did he play for Newcastle? He played in the Premier League certainly. After and then that. he came he back to us uh, in came the Premier League again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he came back maybe that two-year deal might have been a good idea, but. <laughs> What was that like at the time? I can remember, I had a, a poster of Bracewell in my room, not because I was like his mm. biggest fan or anything, like far from it, but it was because when I used to buy like match magazines or 90 Minutes or yeah. Shoot or whatever, it wasn't often a Sunderland player would be in there. So yeah. if there was one in there, I would cut it out and put it on my bedroom wall. Yeah. Um, and Paul Bracewell was one I remember. I didn't. I remember just defacing the, foot, the, the poster <laughs> and just writing like scum and shredder yeah. on his face. And yeah, stuff I think like that, that. That, that's fair enough, really. I mean, that's a, a, a childish reaction there. I was 11. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, you were yeah. 11. But, um, this, yeah. this was last season when he was a court. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that was, that was probably what everybody thought. And, uh, and th- then that season was the one that Newcastle romped to the championship, the second division, and we were down, mm. struggling. I mean... Struggling badly. I remember... Martin Crosby. Is it 11, 10, 11-year-old 11 lad? I remember 
I was just getting into football sort of 93. I'd gone to a few games with my dad and that, but I never, I used to hate it. Um, <laughs> given the situation, it's pretty understandable. But mm-hmm. um, I remember at school, it was like, I, I went to school near Hitler and Shi- like Shiny Row. Yep. So it was like split. So obviously people are picking the teams and it was like there's about three Sunderland fans in the class mm-hmm. and the rest of them we're all Newcastle fans. That's funny because I went to Shiny Row School as well a few years before. I left Shiny Row Comprehensive in 1988 and it was kind of 50 50 right. then. So obviously, glory hunters, yeah. let's say, in Shiny Row, all, all migrated towards the Magpies. Absolutely. When and it all got a bit tasty. Yeah, I, I that, remember, that sounds about right, to be honest. I remember being out on a school trip once and one of the, it was me mate actually, who was with during the 1992 FA Cup final, who was a Newcastle fan. Um, in Dickens' play area, um, <laughs> and uh, he had a bit. He had like he brought his Newcastle scarf to school, and it was like during this like we're on a school trip, and they were all marching down the street in Shiny Row, like singing Newcastle songs, yeah. waving this thing. And I was like, there was like three Sunderland fans in the class, and I was one of them. But it was like, I remember his mum was a a, New, a Sunderland. Well, I don't think she supported football, but she was like, oh, I should support all the northeast teams. His dad was like a die in the world mag. <laughs> and like but outside their house they had like all uh, like red and white right. like ticker tape and that all over the fence so it, like I wouldn't allow it if I was like Newcastle <laughs> and, and James was like oh yeah we're going to uh, support the teams in the North East I'd be like that's it get out <laughs> it's over there was a uh, parade actually when we lost the cup final <laughs> yeah. what a Sunderland, so what a Sunderland did, thing well they did they, they, they got in the open top bus and, mm-hmm. and booked on it and <laughs> Drove down Durham Road and stuff Aye, like that. It was that. very well attended as well because mm. we get, that was it. There was a, there was a heroic element to it with the, the because it was only nineteen years after seventy three, so that was still fresh fresh in people's mm. memories. You know, it, can, it still is now today, to be honest. Until we win another trophy, it always will be. But uh, it was it was shades of seventy three again, echoes of it, and all that kind of thing. So people really bought into it because. That was our, our cultural touchstone, if you like, mm. was winning that that cup in seventy three. So it wasn't that long. So devastated, we honestly. It I wasn't that long after those seventy three, so was it either? Mm. So exactly. And, and, and uh, you know, the first half of that cup final and all, we did all right. Yeah. Burn, John Byrne John had, Byrne had, had that chance, chance from yeah. about six yards out, and if he put that away, we could have gone on and won that. But then a different different game, second half. Mm. Liverpool came out and scored in about two minutes of the second half, and then that that was it. Really, was we it? never got back in. Good into goal, it. the uh, Thomas goal. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was struggling for form at the time, which is another very Sunderland yeah, thing. Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, and it kind of just petered out for him after that, didn't it? Um, he was dismissed um, in February, 1st of February, I think, mm-hmm. 2nd of February. Well, that was just, we, we all knew he, was, he wasn't cut out to be the manager. He wasn't going to be the man that was going to take us back into the, into the top flight and all that. And there was inevitability about it. And the, the fact that he, you know... He wasn't given a lot of money to spend, and he brought in Terry Butcher, and I don't know what was going on behind the scenes, but like well, I, said, I have my opinions about Terry Butcher at the time. T- it'll be touched upon in the. In I'm the looking forward to hearing that actually, because um, I wonder if that ties in with what how Terry Butcher ended up with the club. Um, it's right, got something to do with the appointment of a co- member of the coaching staff. Uh, Bobby Ferguson was it? So yeah, he talks about that. Okay, that's gonna be a good song. Yeah, and you remember the cup final song because that was a thing as well. Did you sell? Uh, how many did you sell? Ain't no price? stopping us now, wasn't it? Mm, it was. 
Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go out of that, actually. We'll drop it. Really? Um, you have to find it. I actually listened. I found it. I listened. It's, found it's, it. It's on iTunes. I've got the seven inch in the house, lads. <laughs> Could have brought it Well, I, I was disappointed with that because... That was crap, wasn't it? Well, I, I, I remember <laughs> that they covered that, but I couldn't... And then I listened to it the other day on iTunes and it's just... They only play that line over and over again. Yeah, and they don't, yeah. there's no verses or anything, yeah. and it's very like the music, you know, like the keyboard from um, New Order, the 1990 World Cup song. Yeah, well, the motion, yeah, yeah. I'm also expe- you're almost expecting after a little bit of an instrumental like John Barnes to come on. Yeah. you've got to hold and give. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's it just it'll sounds. Be ben, like- it'll be Benno. You've, we've got to hold and shall we say give? <laughs> <laughs> but you, you we'll do our best. <laughs> yeah. Overriding memories then of, of Malcolm Crosby, Andy. Um. It, it's just that thing, um, the the, uh, the right man at the right time for a certain event in the club's history. And like I just said before, everyone knew he wasn't cut out to be a long-term manager. He wasn't going to take us back to the heights. Well, I'd say the heights we'd enjoyed. We hadn't really enjoyed that many heights the last few years. But, but we had a... We'd had a- a good bounce after going to the third division when found ourselves back in the that was top flight within four years. That was that was the thing. There was he wasn't Dennis Smith, you know. Dennis Smith did brilliantly to get us up there, and Martin Crosby wasn't Dennis Smith, and everyone knew that. It felt like it, it was well. We were entering a period where we were just drifting aimlessly and kind of slowly sinking as well. There was not a lot of money to spend on the team. There was a lot of misery. I mean, when Butcher became the manager after that, it, it got even worse. But um, uh, yeah, he's, he's a, uh, Crosby's a footnote in the history of the club, but, but a good one, you know, because he got us to Wembley and that has not, has not been all often. So thanks, Martin.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.